0: My uh, my my favorite story, sort of, is the um, elderly woman who held up the sign that says, "I need more beer" because she ran out of her favorite Coors Light, and <laughs> not only did everyone keep delivering more beer, but like the Coors Corporation sent her like a crap ton of Coors Light as well, mm-hmm. and I would like to say that that has not worked for me at all. <laughs>
1: Because
0: you're not an old lady I'm not an old lady It might have something to do with the fact that I'm four floors up And no one's oh. looking up for my sign But oh, no. yeah, yeah. That, that, that would be fun
2: Okay, so evil genius um, If you're listening, I need some more Stacy's mom
0: Stacy's mom <laughs> And let's not take well, that, that out of context He's talking about beer
2: Oh, the beer, yes yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. you know, go, we, we, gotta, we gotta dot the I's okay. across the T's, my friend Yay. <laughs> Welcome to episode 161 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brew, pint, a fine wine, whatever happens to be in your glass. Catch new episodes weekly as the Rev. Shannon Demicham, Holler, and a special guest engage and address what's happening through a theological lens, usually with a good brew in hand. Today, as Shannon celebrates her fabulous 40th birthday, happy birthday, Shannon! She is not here. Uh, she's living it up as much as one can live it up when you're <laughs> safe at home, stuck at home, <laughs> stranded at home. <laughs> Uh, So we've got two of our regulars. I don't know who wants to fight over the I'm in for Shannon and I'm the guest, but you all can sort that out later. We have uh, Reverend Leighton Williams and Rabbi Eli Friedman. Leighton currently is based in Charleston, South Carolina with her cat Gryffindor, and she serves at Sunrise Church on Sullivan's, Sullivan's Island, I could speak. She's also the author of Holy Disunity, How What Separates Us Can Save Us.
1: I just say really quick that yes. that's the first time that that has been
0: named correctly because Shannon always says the title wrong every week. She leaves out the house. We 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 always give Shannon a hard time about her inability to read what's on the right in front of her. It doesn't matter whether the show's just started or it's two years later. It's her thing. It's her thing. <laughs> Uh but we love her. Happy birthday, Shannon. Again. I'm gonna keep saying that. Uh and Rabbi Eli Friedman. His major areas of work at Rhode Shalom in what is that? Philadelphia, right? That's that's, that's Right, Philly. Yeah. Philly, Philly. includes social justice initiatives, adult education, and working with young adults and young families. He and his wife Laurel and their daughters Josephine and Nora live in the Kensington neighborhood and they enjoyed dining out. I hope you're not doing that right now. Yeah,
2: that I, I was I was looking at that bio thinking uh, it's a little outdated.
0: You know, I so, just, uh, just copy-pasted.
2: Yeah, sorry. no, we haven't dined out in, in a long time. Although we <laughs> yeah. are trying to support some of our local restaurants in, in
0: the city. All right, so let's correct that. They enjoy dining in, ordering in. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say streaming music on Twitch now because uh. we're not going out to fine. Us and the home life. brewing. What's, what's anything? So we're green, still green, we're
2: green. S- we're still doing some home brewing. That's still happening. I think they have my whole brew kit here,
0: and uh, Philly homebrew outlets open for curbside pickup. There you okay. go. Then all is all as well. Um, good to have you guys on. Um, and you can show your love for Pub Theology live by becoming a supporter on Patreon get yourself some swag eventually next month maybe and access to extended interviews, some special guests, some before and after the show banter like from this episode as we tried to uh, Nathan and I tried to psychically <laughs> deduce what Enneagram type Eli was he- 17 in case you're all wondering <laughs> as you can tell by that answer he has no clue what the Enneagram is <laughs> uh, so if if we realize he's a little distracted he's trying to figure that out during the show and uh, you can visit us patreon.com slash to get started thank you as always to our current patrons and join us on the social medias twitter facebook instagram youtube use the hashtag PT Live. This week we are discussion, discussion, discussion. I did, I did not pregame. I promise. You know what? I, I appreciate how hard this is for Shannon now. Happy yeah, birthday! You're like,
1: Shannon. Now you know.
0: Now I know. Happy birthday. Uh, we are discussing spring dreams and believing in science. I'm not sure why those are in quotation marks. Believing in science because it's science. Not- <laughs> The whole thing believing in science. Aren't we supposed to believe in science? I don't know why those are quotes. Maybe Brian could tell us later. Uh, before we get to that, let's all share what we are drinking. Layton, what do you got going on?
1: I am currently drinking a Voodoo Ranger IPA, um, which is good, but not my favorite IPA. At the beginning of all this, I bought like a whole bunch of different IPA beers and put them in my fridge. And uh, I'm trying to work my way through these so that I still have some of my favorite ones left. Nice. So I'm starting
0: with today. There we go. Um, what do you got going on, Eli?
2: Yeah. So we're very lucky. We have a, a brewery right around the corner that's doing curbside pickup. And so uh, Evil Genius, uh, this is their uh, Stacy's Mom, Stacey's. Citra uh, IPA. They're, they're, you have to read the, um, go on their website just to see the names of their beers. They're absolutely amazing.
0: Awesome. Um, does that does that does the bottle have a description about the beer or the name? Because we 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 tend to do that now on the show. Read read the
2: yeah. So I'll read I'll the, read the, the description. It's a it's a Citra IPA. Explosive aroma of tropical lemon, peach, and mango. A new school American IPA, seven point five ABV.
0: Whoa. But but nothing about <laughs> Stacy or her mom, huh?
2: No. Although I don't know if you guys heard one of the uh, one of the members of um. Uh, why am I blanking on the band name Fount of Wayne. Uh, Fountains of Wayne passed away Yeah, yeah. Um, Who famous for, for Stacy's mom among other great songs
0: Okay that's not my Wheelhouse so <laughs> I'll take your word for it
2: <laughs> So yeah this I, I'll, I'll do this in tribute to Fountains of Wayne Even though okay. I, I
0: can't even remember the band name Thank you Layton <laughs>
1: I'm here for you
0: There, there you okay. go <laughs> Um I I declared starting last week in honor of coronavirus um, that every show will now be for me a two bear show, because um, then I, didn't I have to. Bring it back up. There it is, and then I have to. Everybody's got <laughs> two bears. Double bears. That's double fisting
2: bears. it. I'm just gonna. I'm
0: just. <laughs> we are we we are handling this. We are handling mm-hmm. this pandemic exactly as we should. Um, mm-hmm. So I had this one last week again. Uh, in honor of spring, it is Wachusett uh, Blueberry oh, Ale. It's one of my wife's favorites. There you go. New, go New England's favorite blueberry ale. And, and I also have a salted maple stout from Ooh. Central Waters Brewing Company. Oh, is that Central local? Waters. They're, they're that. in
2: uh, Wisconsin, I think. They, um, uh, yeah, Amherst, Wisconsin. And, and one of the cool things about Central Waters is they're one of the greenest breweries in the country. They um, recycle almost all their water. Most of their uh, heating is done through like this really cool um, like solar thermal heating system. They're really they're an amazing brewery.
1: That's nice.
2: Cool. Ogan, I, mean? I was wondering.
1: Oh. oh, go ahead. Sorry.
2: Oh, I was going to ask Wachusett, Have you been out there before? Nope. I, you know, I grew up in Newton, and so we actually grew up skiing at Wachusett Mountain. That uh, was like my, my go-to spot. It's, uh, and the brewery's actually, it's a great tour. So if you get a chance, you should, right. well, not in, check... a couple, in a couple months' time. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll, I'll check it out. I'm a black man uh, from the Caribbean. I don't ski, so I'm just going to put that up there. <laughs> Come
2: on, how long have you been in Boston for now?
0: You've it does long not long. matter. I, you can take <laughs> the boy from the Caribbean, but not the Caribbean from the boy. Um,
1: Ogan, okay, can I introduce my second beer please do a different one yes uh this one's a little bit cooler because it's local to charleston uh it's called the hop art india pale ale from coast brewing company and i got into it originally just because it's a very pretty can um it is but it's also the ipa that they serve at my brother's restaurant downtown and so mostly i have it when i go down there to get free food and hang out with him while he's working so i bought it to support the brewery in hopes of keeping it open, and also to kind of like channel the energy of my brother's restaurant while it's closed.
0: All right. Do you wanna? Do you? Uh, are they? Are they doing uh, food pickup, food delivery, anything like that?
1: They start on Wednesday. Um, well, so give it a,
0: give it a plug, just in show. case. Give give it a plug in case you got some local listeners.
1: Oh, that's a good point. There are actually um, nine locations around the southeast. So, uh, Co Restaurant is. Uh, most Vietnamese, a little bit of Asian fusion, uh, and they're in, uh, of course, but also Savannah, Myrtle Beach, Charlotte, Raleigh. Um, I think that's all of them. Did
0: you say Cove? C O V. How do you spell it? What? Just C O. Just C O. Oh.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. C-O-V.com if you want to learn more.
0: Well, let him know. Let let him know we gave him a free plug, and let him know we're open to sponsors.
1: So I will do that.
0: There you go. <laughs> and sponsorship doesn't mean you get free beer. I mean, if, if if all the bear gets shipped free to us, we're okay with that. We, we yeah. don't mind being paid in bear. We're gonna... So, uh, apparently, it's springtime. Who knew? What is your favorite part about spring, and what makes it feel like spring for you? There's, You know what? I'm sorry. So, I got to say, why are all so many quotation marks around parts of the questions in the script? What makes it, quote, feel like spring, unquote, for you? I mean...
1: Was Brian drunk when he wrote this?
0: Is that a euphemism for something? I don't know. <laughs> That's, so what makes know. it feel like spring, I guess, whether it is or not? What makes it feel like spring? And what's your favorite part about spring?
1: Um, well, you know, down here, I mean, I'm luckier than y'all in that sense, because it's been, I mean, the weather has been spring-like since mid-March. Um, it's like 75 degrees outside right now. Um, so I think, you know, in a normal year, my life sort of, this is the hallmark of spring, is that I start going out to the beach at five o'clock on weekdays, like a couple of times a week. And I take my beach chair and my beach towel and a book and a beer. And I just sit and read and look at the water and I call it happy hour, in quotes, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I can't do that right now. So actually, it has, that is one of the things that I have really been and the small things that I've really been grieving and has kind of made it feel like winter isn't over, even though the weather is nice. Um, but on a more practical note, I, I struggle with seasonal affective disorder. So the time change and the increase of daylight is also like a huge I finally made it through the terrible dark season into the into the light kind of mentality.
0: Awesome. Awesome. What about you, Eli?
2: Yeah, so we, um, we're we very, very blessed that uh, we have a community garden right behind our house. And so uh, so I think for us, spring is like all about gardening. We get really excited. It's a great, you know, I have two young daughters, so it's a great activity to just take them. And I have to say right now with all the social distancing, the parks are all closed, our garden's private, so as long as we stay six feet away from any other, other gardeners, which seems to work out pretty easy. um, It's a great space for us. So we just uh, we actually just planted earlier this week, our uh, tomato uh, starters, which are looking good. Did some weeding, checked on the blackberries and the raspberries. It's uh, we're all about just uh, just being out in the plot and doing a little spring gardening.
0: Nice. Um, Coming, coming from the Caribbean, even though I've been living in the U S half my life, uh, seasons are still like a novelty sort of thing for me, and then to make it worse, depending on where you live in the U.S., it's it it's different. Mm-hmm. So there was a time before I moved to New England when I would say it feels like spring when not just leaves are coming back and stuff's blooming, but it warms up. Uh, here we are not going to see 75 till probably mid July. Because <gasps> New England, yeah, uh huh.
2: Seventy-five is hot, man. You don't want that. Uh-huh. Is, you again, know, you again, get, you get a beautiful fifty-degree weather. That's spring. That's what I'm talking
0: about. Boy, boy, boy from the Caribbean. Are you kidding me? I'm
1: you Ogan. That, no. <laughs> I am never moving north again. Sir.
0: No, no. Even but see, even as even as close as D.C. and New York, <laughs> New York is four hours away, and you know they're they're already hit in high sixties, low seventies in DC. Oh, yeah. You know, people ask me, yeah. why is your daughter not sheltered in place with you? Why is she in Raleigh, North Carolina with family and family friends? I'm like, have you seen a thermometer lately? That's why she's there. Uh, they hit like, I don't know, 90 the other day.
2: Again, <laughs> when I was, uh, when I was graduating from uh, seminary in New York, uh, I was applying, you know, all over the country for positions and my, my wife basically had one rule she said you know i'm I'm ready i'm ready to go with you wherever you know wherever we get sent she said it just can't be north of where we currently are at, at new york so we made it down to philly i said there look is. that's like an hour south that's at least a couple degrees warmer but uh there was a there was a position in duluth minnesota that i was really excited about Duluth. <laughs> <laughs> that one i didn't even i didn't even apply didn't even, didn't even go for oh, the no. <laughs> yeah Oh yeah, my god. She's goodness. from Dallas originally. So uh, uh,
0: well that explains everything.
2: We, um yeah, the thermostat is a constant battle in our house.
0: Oh my god. It is it is a thing. But you know what? Um five years in and I've learned how to accept layering as a way of life. And just accept that um I'm gonna have at least two and a half, three good month tops where I can wear a t shirt. I mean, it's just yeah. it 's just the way it is, um, you know New Englanders here, regardless of the what the actual temperature is mm-hmm. um, like mid March people are rolling out in t shirts and shorts i don 't understand why we don 't have more hypothermia deaths up here, but it's it, I guess they 've acclimated evolution, whatever it is. <laughs> It's, it's a weird thing, but... Uh, it's, I have it's, to say,
2: growing up, growing up, you know, outside of Boston, for me, the big sign of spring every year was always the marathon. You know, that Boston marathon, yes. right around the same time as, like, opening, you know, opening day at Fenway, that was like, it really, it felt like spring, and I imagine that was probably one of the toughest things this year up there, you no know, marathon. It really probably felt like... It,
0: it paled in comparison to uh, Tom Brady going down to... Florida Uh, was it Tampa Bay and then, and and then Gronk
2: coming out of retirement, Gronk coming out of retirement. And as a guy who doesn't
0: really watch football or even like football, the fact that I've been here for five years means that I can, I can like sympathetically appreciate what that meant for people um, when that, when that happened. Um, But yeah, it was, it was, it was tough for folks to not have the marathon uh, this year and, it was kind of hilarious because the mayor had to come out and say to folks, uh, "We're not having the marathon. Please don't try to come pretend run one on your own. Stay home." <laughs> <laughs>
2: because you know, Boston Strong. Exactly. They <laughs> they Boston really Strong
0: it. slash Boston Stupid. Uh, you know, it's thin thin line. Uh, thin line. Uh, some folks jumped in on Facebook on this question. Uh, Brad said, uh, "It feels like spring when he's sneezing until his glasses fall off." I gotta say gotta say the one upside of living here is that i don't get the allergy thing that i got like in dc or or missouri or even yeah or even even down when i was living in north carolina so so that's the one plus i got going for that uh billy says the smell of rain and dirt that's very evocative i guess (laughs) and uh Jessica, seeing the first bumblebee and robin, the first thunderstorms, and when the trees start budding, when the flowers start coming up. And you know what, Jessica? Bonus points for emojis for all those things in your answer. There we go. A bet you she's a four. I bet you. <laughs> Back to the Enneagram. Uh, oh, my goodness. So, yep, it is springtime. Spring is rolling out. And um, a lot of folks not being able to appreciate the fullness of it because, as you know, we're all still... Um, being in sight yeah. as much as we can, um, and our prayers are for those states who are easing into early openings. Yeah. Probably, arguably, before they should. But okay, I feel amazing. like that.
2: I feel like that question, that spring question, was like uh, about a week late. I mean, <coughs> no offense, Brian, I love you, but like. To me, we have a, you know, this is pub theology. There's such like a theological sort of spring within both of our traditions, right. Or all three of our traditions here. And, you know, for, for Jews, Passover, all the symbolism Passover is spring, right. You know, if you think about like the Seder plate, we have like parsley, we have an egg, we have, you know, all these, all these things. It's about for us, it's, it's rebirth as well, right. It's rebirth of a people, a free people. And obviously for Christians, I mean, i mean it's jesus's you know rebirth is like the most springy thing you can think of, I think right
0: I guess sure
2: <laughs> i don't know that, i th- that's the way i've always i've always interpreted it as you know an armchair you know theologian you know? Uh,
0: <laughs> I think you know it's it's interesting because I guess for me, yes, as a clergy person. When I think Easter, I think like a week of three times more work. And 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 I don't really, to your point though, I don't really feel like, oh yeah, season, spring, I can enjoy it till Easter's over. Cause it's like, for the most part, that week and leading up to that week, kind of stuck inside doing a lot of extra stuff in preparation yeah. for Holy Week. So, um, but, but yes, springtime, that kind of makes sense. Even though, I don't know, did we ever figure out calendar-wise when Jesus really did die? Was it springtime? Was it summer, fall, winter? We don't know. Do we know? We don't know.
2: I mean, if the if the Last Supper was a Passover Seder, which nobody knows, but if it was, right. then it, it definitely would have been spring. I mean, Passover always falls in the spring. That's true.
0: So. Good detective but, work.
2: But who knows? I mean, I think that's, I don't know the the evidence behind behind the Last Supper as a Seder
1: recently learned that that is contested like i totally thought that was because it's in all four gospels and so i just was like oh i i thought we just kind of like we're cool with that one but i did all, somebody pointed it out to me and i started reading about it yeah. and yeah apparently, I found, it's definitely a thing.
0: I, I found out that's a thing about 30 seconds ago so <laughs> thanks Welcome. thanks thanks for that learn something new <laughs> on this show every time <laughs> <laughs> So one of the interesting things about this time is that um, more folks have been noting that their dreams have been a lot more vivid. Um, Seeing a lot of articles about that, people are dreaming more, the dreams are weirder. Um, For either of you, has been that your experience? Um, Any, you know, more dreams, weirder dreams, and is there a recent dream that may have stood out for you? So I'll I'll jump
2: in first on this, I'll just say, that in in sort of Jewish tradition, there's an idea that dreams are considered one sixtieth of prophecy, and so this is written in the Talmud. The rabbis talk about that, and they they go into a lot of sort of dream interpretation that like different symbols represent things, and they may be portents
0: for for something i would i would love to see the math equations that they went through to get that 160th that's highly that's so specific man it's
2: really it's very interesting 160th is the number the rabbis use a lot um if Mm. if you're if you're making like a big soup or something and less than 160th of something unkosher drops into it the soup's still kosher so that's another example of one sixtieth, which they use that number a lot. I think it's because uh the Babylonians and the Sumerians were the first to kind of play with that the sixty and I think it has to do with maybe twelve and five and the months and the but they were the first to come up with like sixty seconds and sixty minutes and that mm. kind of early stuff so i don't i I actually don't know that much about this, but
0: um, maybe, maybe they were like, yeah, small enough not to make that much of a difference, but exactly. anything over that we, but there know.
2: is I think there is this idea that dreams I, whether we, we, you know, forgetting about the number for a second, the idea that dreams are this, this kind of small taste of prophecy in a way, I think is a really interesting thing. It means they, they tell us something, they're, they're meant to show us something to speak to us in some way um, all that being said, I never remember my dreams. So I got nothing <laughs> Fair. <laughs>
0: that, that was a real I, uh, nice, real I, nice I, lead up <laughs> to that. I, I thought got we were going that. somewhere with that. Not that huh? drops us off to cliff. So
1: no one of a process for you. Um, I, I actually normally have very vivid dreams and like long winded, like intense, not intricacy. Um, but I have, I have continued to have weird particularly weird and sort of pet dreams recently. Um, kind of hit or miss on remembering them. But I will say the other night I had one I tweeted about because it was so, it was just so absurd. It was a very brief dream in between snooze buttons. And it was just, I take three different medicines every day. And uh, in real life, I do that. And in my dream, <laughs> I was going to take them and the middle pill bottle leaned over to me and asked me which one of them got to be Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I I read that and what? I laughed. I read that and I laughed hard.
1: <laughs> I was like, what? That is not. What prophecy is that? Like, definitely somewhere in the archives of my brain that has to be for Three Men and a Baby. I don't. I haven't seen that movie in 25 years, so I don't know how.
0: Three medications, three men. You know, they all taking he, care of you. Was like my they. Favorite. So like I'm thinking, about, I'm thinking about
2: Joseph and Pharaoh and like the seven skinny cows, the seven fat cows. Uh-huh. I, 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 I'm, I'm going somewhere here with the, with this, you know, I
0: feel. You're, the, going, wow. you're, going, you're, you're going with, I don't have, <laughs> I don't remember my dreams either. You're gonna, you're gonna leave this hanging.
1: I will tell you that it was the Prilosec. That was the medicine that asked if he could be Steve Gutenberg. I'm like, buddy, if you really want it, sure.
2: Steve I, Gutenberg gives indigestion.
0: I mean, that's... Uh,
1: reasonable.
0: It's, it's a reasonable interpretation. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm with you, uh, Eli. I don't remember my dreams hardly ever. It like can maybe come to on one hand the m- amount of dreams I've remembered my whole life. But I believe, in, I believe in the idea, or I think I believe in the idea that, um, there's, uh, that we are, are simultaneously existent in multiple universes and that when we are dreaming what we're doing is our consciousness is leaving one reality and exploring another reality, one of the older, other realities. So right now we're actually in a dream of one of our other reality selves, And then when we go to sleep, we wake up in that other one. Um, and to stop our mind from exploding, just like you did there, Woo! you know, we kind of, we kind of, we, we have to forget when we jump from reality to reality or our, our poor minds couldn't handle all of this going on we can barely handle life in one reality to try and figure out multiple wins i think it's it's too much so that's that's my wild card theory on on dreams
1: so are you telling me that in another reality i'm having a conversation with one of my pill bottles yes about playing
0: steam? yes I mean, that reality it's totally normal to talk to your pill bottles yes right. that's that's what i that's what i think um i think I'm totally i think that, short, short no <laughs> I think I think in the other reality you're you're having a conversation with with three actual other people, one of them who might be Steve Gutenberg, another reality, maybe you actually do know him. Um, but then when you jump back into this reality and you wake up, like the way your brain can process this is replacing them with the pill bottles because that's more of your normal. Uh, reality. I have only about mm-hmm. one sixtieth amount of evidence to support this. There you go, Eli. That one's for you. Um, so that's where I'm going with. It. <laughs> I dig
2: it. I'm in. I like it. <sighs> so although I don't uh, remember my dreams, I often remember my wife's dreams because she tends to scream things out in the middle of the night. Oh no! <laughs> so uh, I'll share that. That last night it was Nora. No, no, no! Don't touch that, Nora. Stop, Nora, don't touch that. Mm. Um, Who's Nora? Nora's our two-year-old. And uh, (laughs) for anyone out there quarantined with a two-year-old, I think you could probably relate to that dream.
0: There you go. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: There you go. So see, this supports my theory. Because in another reality, you guys also have Nora, you know, and she's awake with Nora. And your wife, I am sure, is frustrated by having to uh, keep looking out for the two-year-old when she's both awake in this reality and awake in the other reality as well. So what you need to watch for is if she starts hanging out in the reality where you and the kids do not exist. <laughs> that's that's when you got to start worrying. <laughs> Ah, Facebook uh, on Facebook, Dave says, "I don't remember oh, where did it go. Come back, come back, come back. Uh, I don't remember dreaming very often for a long time now, and that hasn't changed. I have, however, been thinking a lot about the idea that we create our own reality. Thank you, Dave. That's that's very, very, very uh, new thought of you. Many of the things Jesus taught speak to the reality we are constantly creating in our own imagination. Yep, I'm I'm on that page with you. We imagine it and." bring it into reality is what I believe so thank you Dave for checking in and all our uh, Facebook posters so now we come to that believe in science and quotation mark things the sentiment believe in science quote oh maybe that's why it's quoted he's quoting the sentiment okay this makes more sense now (laughs) I put the script together I should have read the questions the sentiment (laughs) believe believe in science comes up frequently in terms of climate change and now COVID-19 how do we as non-experts believe the science? And what role do experts play in shaping what we think and believe? Why are some people more reticent to believe what scientists have to say? Does religion have a role to play in this? Mm-hmm. Ah. All right.
1: I think, I mean, I, you know, I'm gonna work a little bit backwards, but I think reticence to believe scientists must tie up to confirmation bias, right? Like we're more reticent to believe when scientists are saying something we don't want to hear um, or that, you know, profoundly challenges things we've accepted previously to be true. Um,
0: Or, 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 or way of living or lifestyle. If we, if we, if we hear some news and it means we got to change our lifestyle. Yeah. We we're we're reluctant.
1: I I will say in this COVID-19 scenario, I have struggled with knowing where to go for totally unbiased, like purely scientific, you know, real, and, and then like when I do manage to find a few sources, when they disagree, I my brain like doesn't really know what to do with it, and how much of it is my brain just, again, seeing what it wants to see, or hearing what it wants to hear, going with the answer that brings me the most comfort, or how much of it is like you know, our tendency to spiral. And like, and I, so I, I have been in the last week or so particularly frustrated, because I feel like I don't know, because I think we collectively don't know a lot about this. And um, that makes me feel even more out of control. The experts, Are, are you are, are you
0: saying you don't have a few drops of disinfectant in your beer to help Cleaning from the inside out. No, no, That's that's science, man. That's science. Late, re- and I I recommend Fox News. I think that's uh, yeah. the, the place. <laughs> it's- I should I should mention I should mention out loud. Please do not put any disinfectant in your beer if you're listening. <laughs> we got to cover we got to cover our asses on this one. Do not C- ingest CYA. any disinfectant because because when the president said that out loud first, I had a good laugh because I got to admit I have I have watched more Fox news in the last five weeks. Cause I want to see his briefings from beginning to end. Why? Because Netflix is not as entertaining as it used to be for me right now. So I go to these live briefings because interestingly enough, I know that uh, interestingly to your point, Layden, I know that no matter what's said on that dais, like I can go find some facts elsewhere yeah. around this. And I just got to wait a couple of hours for some folks to start refuting uh, you know what he said. Now, now that timeline has shortened, and they just refuted him right there on the on the stage, which I find hilarious. Um, mm-hmm. But but when he said the thing about the disinfectant, I was like, oh my god. And then when I read an article which I reshared about like uh, hotlines in different states getting calls from people <laughs> asking about it, I was like, oh oh my oh my god! Like really? That yeah. that one kind of blew me at the water.
1: Yeah. Well, and the fact that people—I mean, people I know and love, but don't necessarily agree with politically—you know—didn't believe that they should do that, but they were kind of like their reaction was like, "Well, no one would be dumb enough to do that," and also that's not really what he said. And it's like, I mean, it's on video. (laughs)
0: And and have you met? Have you you met America? There's always somebody (laughs) dumb enough here to do something.
1: (laughs) You are not wrong.
0: Oh my goodness.
2: I guess what i 've always wondered is, why is there this what I, what I would call sort of a false dichotomy between science and religion like like why, why Why is it always like, oh, you either believe in science or you believe in religion like i, I 've never sort of understand why people pit them against each other i at least in my view they't they don 't they, they feel like
0: opposites in any way I, I, I think um, I remember reading I something about this, and this is actually a recent phenomenon and I say recent mm. in terms of um, a few decades ago when when folks started for in Christianity, for example, mm-hmm. um, taking the Bible literally, like reading the Bible and realizing that this is not uh, or releasing the day that this is metaphor and allegory. It's kind of always been that way. And then evan- evangelical- <laughs> right? evangelicalism, is that the right word, sprung up. And all of a sudden it's like, no, we got to believe the Bible literally. And yes, the world was literally made in six days and Jesus rest- and God rested on the seventh. And, you know, and here we have science that says, uh, no, it took billions of years for, you know, universe to form and, and, and millions of the earth sitting dormant before any life, uh, sprung up and and yes humans are one race of the humanoid species been around for hundreds of thousands of years and but no we were made in six days and everything was created right so uh, uh I, I think that's where it really started to to spring up and 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 then it became a thing that if you believed in science it meant that you don't believe in the literalism of the bible ergo you don't believe in god it well, makes no I sense
1: yeah I think one, like kind of the other angle on that um, is that I think perhaps on the more pro-science side, that people sometimes falsely assume that science equates to certainty, right? And so it's like, there's just this, there's a whole lot of like, you just have to believe, you know, and like, there, there's this sense that science gives you cold facts that are irrefutable, but like, science is constantly evolving. Things that were cold facts 50 years ago have been totally junked now. And like, you know, what we know scientifically is one sixtieth of a billion of what there is to know. And so um, this is certainly true in the medical field. My boyfriend who works in a hospital, we were talking about this the other night. And I was saying like, you know, I have learned over the course of my life that like, Doctors are just doing the best they can. And there is so much that we don't know in terms of medicine and what treatments work. And like, um, you know, there, I just think there's fewer difference between science and religion than either religion over science or science over religion people think.
2: Yeah, Leighton, I love the way you said that at the end because it really, we do see it from both sides. I mean, we immediately go to like the religious fundamentalists and be like, how could you not believe in science? But on the other end, we have these science fundamentalists who uh, you know, basically say, well, religion has nothing to offer because science can explain it all. And I, I feel like in these moments, we need it all. I want, I want that science, but I also want my, my faith and my tradition, which can, can help me in different ways. Not, not telling me how to properly sanitize or anything like that, but it can, it can help me cope with, with anxiety and with yeah. difficulties which science honestly isn't going to help me with right now.
1: Right.
0: Well, there, I mean, I've always seen them as two sides of the same coin, mm-hmm. you know, how, how, how both, both are attempting to explain the how of everything and, right. and both, both have advantages, both have disadvantages, both, uh, uh, or works in progress but in terms of, of us coming into understanding of what they're saying um, and things continue to to evolve. There's, there's no one who can, uh, you know, Leighton made the point that, that science is ever evolving and what was certain 10, 20, 40 years ago is not certain now. Uh, anyone who's, who is truly open to the evolving understanding of their religion and religious practices will say the same thing. You know, these scriptures might have been written hundreds thousands of years ago but we we are still in the process of understanding and and unfolding how the role they play in our lives so that for me it's it's both of them coming from opposite ends of the spectrum toward a middle that is 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 understanding i love that it reminds me of that uh
2: that ucc line that's one of my favorites which is why put a period where god put a comma Right. This idea of this mm. unfolding continual revelation. And it's true in both science and religion. It's
0: beautiful. Right. So, so, um, the, to go back to what Layton said earlier, um, there are so many sources of information out there now. So when you want to find out about COVID or you want to find out about what you should do, or, you know, what's the latest, you know, whatever it's, there's so many different views what what do we believe what do we what do we accept um have you guys been i mean Leighton talked about kind of struggling with that over now that we've been in a month or has it been a month yet because it's felt like four i don't know
2: oh it's like six weeks
0: it's unreal last week uh, or a week before we were we were quoting something where some one was referring in the quote to a length of time and it was like longer than we've been in our shelter in place. And I'm like, but that's not true. And they were like, yeah, it's only been four weeks too. And I was like, are you kidding me right now? It's felt like so long. So so how how are you guys resolving this, this plethora of information? Even, even an air quotes, factual scientific information that doesn't always support each other. How, how are you guys wrestling with that?
1: Um, potentially, problematically, I will say that I, I hold whatever information I have in tension with what is the reality that I can accept right now and still be as safe as possible, right? I have realized, like, you know, I just, I have all these friends and people who are constantly hammering in that this is going to be your thing. And like, we should not leave houses for two years. And I just, I can't think about that. So like... There is some science that says that. There are science reports that are somewhat more optimistic. And so I need to read what will keep me in my house right now. It's also not the thing that I am literally going to lose before this is over. So it's I'm, I'm honestly making an emotional choice instead of a rationality-based one, right, of, like, what will keep me sane without getting me to, like, give myself permission to be reckless, you know?
0: I think, I think that's, that's also, also a rational choice.
1: <laughs> Fair. It's, but it's a moving target. So, like, I have, you know, when this all started, I was optimistic for relaxing social distancing here in South Carolina by mid-May. Like, not totally undoing it, but, like, getting a summer re- reprieve, knowing that there would be waves in the fall, like mm-hmm. in the spring. Um, but I just read this projection the other day that said South Carolina shouldn't start opening until June 8th. And I kind of was like, all right, I'm going to think about that next week. <laughs> this gotcha. Week, I'm just going to like ride it out and see what happens. I was,
0: I was never was- that optimistic because have you met America? Like I- uh, and
1: <laughs> our, our experiences of this are also very different. I mean, it's, I'm not, it's not equally as dangerous here, but like yeah. the scope in South Carolina is so different from Boston that it, even for somebody like me who believes the science um, it is really hard to fully understand in my brain the severity of all of this because it just doesn't feel that way down here.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, no, I knew, I knew when they, I knew when those uh, uh, suggestions roll out for social distancing and staying at home and staying in place. Uh, and then it was like, if we all do our part, and from the time I heard that, we all do our part, I was like, mm, this is not going sure. well. <laughs> to yeah. Yeah. end well. Not going to end well, because for all the things we we're talking about so far, there are people yeah. who are not going to believe this. We got a whole network that initially said it was a hoax, and and stuff like that, and a good deal of millions of people who, who think that network is gospel, and are not going to do it right away, and like, it endangers everyone. So, you know, from the time I, you know, this whole thing started and it was like shelter in place, I was like, and, and folks at, at my church, I know where you guys are, but they were like, do you think, do you think we'll be together again by the end of April or early May? I was like, folks, we'll be lucky if July, we, we are, we are, you know, celebrating or worshiping in our building again, because this is not going to go as fast as nearly as anyone think it is. Because have you met America? Yeah. Love you, America. I became a citizen. I'm an American. Love you, America, but still. (laughs) So what do you want to see changed when we emerge into the new reality?
2: Wouldn't it be amazing if we just had this like kinder, just more compassionate society that wasn't so based on this sort of individual freedoms and was really more focused on the common good and, and, and just.
0: So, so about kind others.
2: of what we're like, <laughs> kind of what we're doing now. <laughs> exactly. so, so let's like do we what we're doing now,
0: right. Let's do what we're doing now, but we can do it while we're outside of our homes. Mm-hmm. I,
1: along those lines. Yeah. I would hope for, um, I I mean, I I have to be honest. I'm pretty cynical about whether any of this will stick, but... um,
0: You've met America.
1: (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) I, even for me, and I have been for a while now, not super, not particularly pro-capitalism. Even for me, this has been an uncovering of my like biden to assist a production-based system of humanity, right? Like what you produce is what makes you valuable. And like the utter like stopping of that for so many of us like i hope beyond hope that when we come out of this we recognize the danger of having an entire system structured around that us and figure out a way to to like you said eli mutually care for one another in ways that that don't demand that we work ourselves into you know an early grave (laughs) Like, and that we make time and value and prioritize family and community and uh, rest. Um,
0: I think, yeah, I think I, the, I would... the, the longer the longer we have to do this, the better chances of that happening. Because, because our memories are very short. So I think if we have to do this for an extended period of time, and I'm talking like people saying it's extended right now, I'm talking about like a year, if we had to live this way for a year and 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 continue to be compassionate and kind and continue to recognize and honor the essential care workers mm-hmm. like a year from now we're still applauding the nurses as they come home and, and we're still making you know meals for all the people and we're like that farmer in Kansas who sends his it's five masks. masks to New York you, you know I don't know if you guys yeah. saw that story yeah, but that you know like if a year from now we still have to be in this place and we still do things like that, it's, it might take that long for it to really sink in. But I think the general attitude right now is still like, Oh, this is only temporary. All of this, all the way we're being, all the extra love, kindness and compassion we're pouring. This is just just temporary temporary. until this is over until we get a vaccine, until we can come out again and then we can return to normal. (laughs) How about making this the normal?
2: Valuing our, <laughs> yeah. valuing our teachers, valuing our, you know, yeah. janitors. I, look, if anyone like me has young kids at home, like, oh man, teachers, early childhood educators, they have attained a new level. They should be like right. <laughs> number one position in society. Forget about CEOs, forget about, you know, stock market, whatever. These, the most important people in society right now.
0: If I were if I were head of teacher unions, I would coordinate teacher strikes for like right when this pandemic is over. Yeah. Like we'll, we'll give you anything. What do you exactly,
2: want? Exactly. Take my child. I will give you anything.
1: I um, yeah, along those same lines, like that is another thing and and Ogan, you made me think of it actually with what you were saying earlier, um, that I hope comes out of this. I'm slightly more hopeful about is that our changed definition of who qualifies as a hero. um, I want, you know, I drive past this Walgreens every day because I take care of my niece and nephew during the day. And um, so I drive from my house to theirs. And the marquee outside just says heroes work here. And I like get chills every time I drive past it because it has Mm. never occurred to me before that like this term that we use to describe a very narrow definition of, person is being you know in this time is being radically redefined and it should be like we need to you know recognize the people that keep us going
0: yeah yeah i hope i truly hope that stays i truly and and you know we've only we've only done that in isolated incidences like when we've been sick we go to the hospital and somebody takes care of us yeah only then are we like yeah. the nurse the doctor the whoever is our hero so we have these isolated incidences but but the sort of realization that we're coming to that even someone who uh you know food delivery drivers like i mean yesterday yesterday uh, i was having some food delivered um, Sunday, sunday's become my uh order out day because mm-hmm. i want to support the local economy but my paycheck hasn't changed. So Sunday is my, Sunday is my order in day. Um, and, and the driver, bless his heart. He was not an English speaker and he was struggling to actually find where I lived. Cause, cause you map my address, Google puts you at the next building over. So here, and here's he and I on the phone language barrier trying to figure this out. And I remember having a similar situation a couple of years ago, and the driver like bailed and went back to the restaurant, took the food with him. Oh no. And the restaurant called and they were like, you know, couldn't find the place, not an English speaker. We apologize. We got somebody who speaks English. We can we can send them to you. This guy, this guy, like he he was on the line and I could hear him struggling, working it out, talking with other people. And, and for me, it was like, you know what, in this moment, this guy's my hero. And it seems kind of almost silly to say it aloud, but, but it's the truth. We are, we're in a place, we're in a place where, where we are really beginning to appreciate and value those who we didn't appreciate and value before. And it's not based on, on the usual metrics. It's not usually based, based on celebrity. It's not based on you know how much a person is made it's not based it's it's we got a whole different metric uh, established right now so did you give him a good tip of course (laughs) well well here's the thing right because you gotta you gotta tip you know you tip on the food delivery app before before they get there but he was extremely panicked that i would give a bad review because the food took so long and i and i the all i could say is it's okay like it's okay. <laughs> you're fine. When I get to review this delivery, you're okay. The fact that you stuck with it long enough to get me my food, you know, that's golden. You're fine. You don't have to worry about it. I wish there was a way to' yeah. could have gone back and tipped in more, but yeah.
1: I think there's, this, there's also this sort of uh, cyclical heroism in these small ways that I'm seeing. Uh, yesterday, I drove past the hospital downtown here, And there was just this one woman, like middle-aged woman, standing alone on a sidewalk across the street from the hospital, holding up a poster board that said, thank you, heroes, you rock. And just like, so that the people working at the hospital could see it when they looked out the window. And it was just, you know, you hear about all these fancy demonstrations in like the big cities with the people clapping out of the windows or like the crazy lights or the ferry boat that spun in circles. But like, I was really struck by the fact that this woman just like woke up and decided I did. She could do something to encourage these people in her own small way. Um, yeah, I mean stuff like that. That mutuality. I hope. Yeah.
0: My uh, my my favorite story, sort of, is the um, elderly woman who held up the sign that says, "I need more beer" because she ran out of her favorite Coors Light. And <laughs> not only did everyone keep delivering more beer, but like the Coors Corporation sent her like a crap ton of. Coors Light as well And mm-hmm. I would like to say that that has not Worked for me at all
1: Because <laughs> you're not an old lady
0: I'm not an old lady It might have something to do with the fact that I'm four floors Up and no one's One. looking up for my sign But oh. yeah, yeah. That, that, that would be fun Okay
2: so Evil Genius um, If you're listening I need some more Stacy's mom
0: Stacy's mom <laughs> And let's not take well, that out that. of context He's talking about beer
2: Oh the beer Yes <laughs>
0: You know, just, we got we to dot the I's okay. cross the T's, my friend. <laughs> oh, so I was, I was debating sort of skipping this question because it's a little bit of not going with the fun out of left field, but uh, I'm going to still leave it in there. So it says Canada is reading from a recent mass shooting in Nova Scotia. How does your faith slash non-faith tradition help inform your response to the problem of evil? How do you cope with the inevitability of violence? by our best preventative measures, is such violence inevitable? What about systematic, systemic violence? Such so as the disproportionate toll this current pandemic is having upon the African-American community, how might we mitigate such inequities and vulnerabilities moving forward? So, so the reason I, I came back to this, I was literally just typing to you guys, like, do we want to skip this question? And then I remembered something that I heard uh, on a podcast. Uh, I forget what it was, but when I heard it, it was like one of those mind blown things, which said, we've not had a school shooting in the last six weeks. Yeah. Cause no one's been in school. Because No one's been in school. I was like, Holy crap. <laughs> like, like how many other things are not happening because of the way we've had to change our way of living. And it was, it was like, then the last part of the question. So how do we, how do we, you know, it, it, it's clear that how we've been choosing to live before this old pandemic thing changed everything for us has resulted in a lot of different things like like this sort of violence being played out so 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 how do we how how do we learn from what we're going through right now so um so we've talked about we've talked about mass violence. We've talked about guns on this show a lot, but so I don't know if there's anything that you guys want to weigh in on this, but yeah, especially the systemic violence part and the, and the, and the disproportionate toll on minorities. What are your thoughts around any of this?
2: Yeah, my, you know, I, I'll jump in and say first, I, I hadn't heard about that uh, the, the shooting until, you know, it was at least three or four days after when I found out about it. And which I think is interesting that I think this was one of the, maybe the, the largest um, mass shooting in, in Canada's history. And the fact yeah. that it like, hardly made the news because of everything going on uh, with the virus, I think is, is just telling you. Well,
0: also because I think there were, and, and I hate to say it this way, there were only, mm-hmm. what, 16 16- 17, 18 deaths compared to when we had mass students in the U S the, the death toll has been much higher. Yeah. So yes, I think it's because of all the pandemic news, but I think, you know, for us awesome. i'm sure many people are like only 16 people kill canadians they can never do anything right you know <laughs> oh, that's sort of that sort of thing
2: i mean it that, also speaks <laughs> to just how, how how much better
0: canada has right that's going to that come back and bite me later please yeah. folks listen to the whole statement there was a context the, there. the piece <laughs> of
2: it though um and i'll I'll just jump on a different piece Ogan, that really spoke to me was the um was the part about sort of the theodicy question of where's God in this, in this, and how do we account for evil in this world? And I guess this speaks also just to everything going on with the pandemic. And for me, God is not in the, in the virus. God is not in the shooting. God is not in that. God is in the response. And Mm -hmm. I just, I, I, I've, I've heard so many amazing stories of people stepping up during during shootings like this, um, or just during this virus in general, and I see God in that in that work, in that those acts of love and kindness uh, that we see in this world.
1: Yeah, I um, similarly, I think the phrase that I fall back on is "God with us," and um, and there's like there's this verse from Romans eight that or two verses actually that has really been replaying in my head about nothing, neither death, nor life, nor angels, I can't put the whole thing, nor powers, nor things above or things below, nor anything in, all, anything in all creation can separate us from the love of God. And like, I don't know, my favorite, because I'm a four on the Enneagram and we're moody, my favorite depiction is Monday Thursday. Jesus is trembling in the garden and then arrested. Um, and he says to God, um, take this cup from me, but not my will, but thine, right? And like, for me, the reason that's so crucial is like, I don't know what that, de- what being dead feels like, but I do know what it feels like to be so afraid and filled with doubt and uncertainty about the future that you feel totally God forsaken. And the fact that like God's intentionality of being with us is so deep that God would even turn that experience, um, is like the surest sign to me, um, from our faith tradition of like, God really is with us even, saying not using them to teach us, or punish us, or whatever other terrible theological stance you could take, but, but just knowing that they happen, um, and being present with us. And I also think, you know, there's, there's this whole concept or dichotomy between natural evil and like, I guess, unnatural evil. So like, a hurricane is not a person making a choice, arguably climate change it's complicated um but but you know a shooting is at least one person making a choice and so i think when we we get into trouble when we use the word inevitable um because it tricks us into thinking that things we can't do things to to make the world different um
0: oh we lost your audio where'd you go I know she's saying really profound stuff right now. Really profound. <laughs> we just we just can't hear it. <laughs> oh. We just can't hear it. So, so, um, are you back late with us? Can you hear us? Can can we Yeah, you? sorry. Oh, oh there sorry. we go, you're back. We, 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 we you lost us. you. Tell us that last piece that you said, because I, I, I know- Where it. did I cut off? You were, so right after you said you struggle with the inevitable, the word inevitable, oh. because it means we can't change.
1: Right. So we've been six weeks without a shooting which means that it's not inevitable that people will find a way to kill each other. And right. so, you know, we don't want to live in this extreme of a world forever, but it shows us that that word does not fit when we have conversations about interhuman violence. Yeah. So. Yeah.
0: I can, I, I, I have hope in that too. Uh, you know, I do remind people that, you know, as long as humans have been alive, we have been violent towards each other, but we are, in spite of what we see in the news around like school shootings and mass shootings and, and wars and stuff, this is actually the least violent we have been as a human race, human species, and it continues to lessen. Yep. So we're you we're headed... Steven,
2: you read Steven Pinker's uh, book, uh, The Better Angels of Our Nature?
0: I, I know of it, but I have not read it.
2: That's exactly his his... And he like tons of facts. Like, it's amazing. He really like scientifically yeah. lays it out how this is, this is, it feels, it feels not true. It feels weird saying it, but this is actually the most wonderful time in humanity, in the history of our existence.
0: And and part of our struggle in this timeline is realizing that we have to be at peace with the fact that we're, we may not, probably definitely will not, but likely may not see that, you know, that that nirvana place of no human violence towards each other within our lifetime. Like that's that's too that's too big of an evolutionary leap in this generation. And and how do we how do we make peace with that? And and it's a struggle for everyone. Uh, and and for some people it 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 kind of leans more into despair and, and hopelessness. But you're right. When you take that you know, instead of taking the hundred foot view, you take the hundred thousand foot view and realize it's getting better and better. I'm like, you know what? I may not see this in my lifetime, but maybe my daughter's children will, maybe my daughter's grandkids might, I don't know. But, but the fact is I take hope and optimism by the fact that we're heading in the right direction and more of us continue to push us in the right direction. So it's going to turn out okay. And yes, Three steps forward and two steps back is still a step forward. <laughs> That's right. It's like,
1: it's like that Oscar uh, or the prayer that gets attributed to Oscar Romero about we are prophets of a future, not our own. Yes. Um, and that like, we're not the master builder. Like our work is the work of the moment um, and our call to faith is faith in the world. We won't get to see.
0: There you but
1: go. It's hopefully coming.
0: There you go. So let's, uh, our final question for the evening. Many churches have offered virtual communion also in quotes. There's a lot of quotation marks being thrown around today. Virtual communion discuss the theology involved here. Some traditions such as Roman Catholicism hold that the elements become the actual body and blood of Christ and have to be shared in person via an ordained priest making virtual Eucharist impossible. At the same time, other communities invite people to choose their own elements. Again, with the quotes, I'm like, this is perhaps the most air quotes. <laughs> choose their own elements and quotes while they share virtual communion. Discuss. So so first let's start. So I'm I'm Unity, Layton's Presbyterian, uh Eli is is what want to say Jewish? You're Jewish. What, do you, what, am I, yeah, what am I saying? sure. Why not? What am I saying? What, I don't know. What, am I sure, what do I'll I say? Pick, I'll
2: pick Judaism for today. That's Judaism. It. There. I'll, do, I'll do
0: Islam next week. <laughs>
2: this is yeah, why I'm Jewish. My particular denomination is is called
0: Reform Judaism. Okay, this is why you shouldn't do two weird episodes. Right there. Uh, so, so, um, where where do each of our traditions first stand with this idea of of communion in general, and are we are we still doing virtual communion? You know, do we have any theological issues around any of that? Um, I'll start with Jews do have
2: a theological issue with communion and that <laughs> theological issue is we do not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. So uh, let's just,
0: you know, so no, no problem for you in virtual <laughs> or real life communion. Good.
2: What I, what I, what I, I will say, say is that we, we actually have a similar issue within Judaism and the, the issue that we've struggled the most with is the idea of uh, the Hebrew word is minion. Uh, not not like, like the little guys from uh despicable me, but um, <laughs> The, the word min, minyan means a group of 10 Jewish adults, and traditionally in Judaism, in order to have a prayer service, in order to say certain prayers, and most notably, actually, the mourner's prayer. When you're, when you're mourning in Judaism, you're meant to say a prayer called the mourner's Kaddish. And traditionally, Judaism says you're not allowed to say that prayer unless you are gathered with nine other people, with 10, 10 people to have a quorum. And so that's been actually the most difficult piece is really um, creating that minion, that, that quorum of, of Jewish adults. And so um, many denominations, including our own, the Reform Movement, have said a virtual minion counts. And so we've been doing a lot of virtual gatherings and still making sure to have those 10 people in order that, that those prayers, and specifically those morning prayers, which are the most important, can be said in that moment. Uh, so we've, we've allowed that. Um, some of the more uh, stringent Orthodox traditions have not allowed for virtual uh, minyanai, minyanim. is the plural, um, and I think that's that's difficult. That's problematic because. So it, are they? they
0: do, do, yeah. do, can you can you can you reschedule them for later, or they're just not happening at all?
2: Yeah. So traditionally, if if you have a loved one, and, and specifically if it's a, a parent, you're meant to say the the prayers, the mourner's kaddish. Um, for the full year after they've died. And so it can't really be rescheduled in that way. So either you need to gather in a big old field with, you know, yeah. six feet apart for everyone,
0: mm-hmm.
2: or you're not saying those prayers. Now, I, don't, I don't know how the Orthodox are, are fully dealing with this right now.
0: So, and I was gonna say, I mean, you know, we've, we've always done that, whether we wanna admit it or not, we've always adapted our traditions for the time. Exactly. So this does like always happened. And, and a lot of time, and, and in many cases, um, it causes us to really ask the hard questions about the traditions that we've held when we can't practice them. You know, do we still need to hold on to them? Do we change our minds about adapting them? Um, you know, so it's, it's, for me, that's always a good thing. It's always a good thing yeah. when something <laughs> forces you to ask deep questions about the things that you've almost like held sacred without thinking.
1: Yeah. Um, I will say from the perspective of my tradition, um, well, first of all, as a disclaimer, my my own congregation has not broached this topic yet. So we even, I don't know, I'm not the boss, and I'm not quite sure where we would fall on that. Um, But what do do you
0: think personally then?
1: Yeah, I'll get to that. I'm going to say that, I mean, there is some debate among current active PCUSA actors, but this is like, a, well, not this scenario, but there is a recurring uh, question on our ordination exams of uh, worship and praxis, uh, which is essentially like, if you're in a situation where communion needs to be served and you don't have access to the proper elements, is it okay to use a Diet Coke and a bag of potato chips? Yes. <laughs> <If officially laughs> yes, that like, because so theologically, we belong to the school of thought of, Uh, in quotes, real presence, um, which is this idea, like, we don't believe in, you know, that it's actually the body and blood of Christ, or Mm -hmm. even spiritually the body and blood of Christ. But we do believe that through the power of the Holy Spirit, Christ is present with us every time that we participate in breaking bread together. And not only that, that we are, there are these awesome words, prolepsis and amnesis, which I can't define individually, but I do know that what they mean is that we claim theologically that in the act of taking communion, we are simultaneously thrust backward to the night of the Last Supper and are, are ourselves really with Christ and the disciples, and all of us thrust forward uh, to the feast of the kingdom to come. Right. And wow. so I, actually, so my personal theology of all this is that there is a profoundly powerful message to be claimed from partaking in communion while we're isolated because really what we're testifying to is this idea that like we are still present with each other not just each other who exists right now but everyone ever and like you know i mean just this whole body of faith and communion of saints um and if we feel like it's only real if we are physically tangibly present with one another then on some level we're undercutting the theology that we claim about real presence. So
0: that's uh, where mm I my potato chip uh, consumption has increased like 500 fold since this pandemic i will I, i'm not going to eat them the same way again after hearing what you just said <laughs> man you got a lot of you
2: got a lot of jesus's body in you oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my uh,
0: yeah.
2: God. oh that's hilarious by the way i just want to say that like i was like ogan began this this podcast by like taking us to multiple universes and like all the different realities right Layton, you just brought us to like right? The, the crucifixion, the
0: future kingdoms right. Like we're just like traveling have? all over the multiverse tonight. Oh my God. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> I've been everywhere. watching a
1: lot of The Flash.
0: <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. Uh, oh my God. You know what? Um, so uh, <laughs> I got nothing after that. Uh, I think, I think. <laughs> we, We're going to stop there. We can just, Got nothing happened.
2: It's a good place to stop. a good think. place. We're good.
0: We're good. I, I can't, I can, I can add nothing. So, <laughs> oh my goodness. Big thank you to uh, Leighton and Eli um, for joining us this evening. And happy birthday, Shannon. We love happy you. Um, we'd also like to thank the originator of Pub Theology who came up with our questions and the very liberal use of quotation marks today, Brian <laughs> Bergoff, and our producer, Derek Weston. Connect and spread the word on social media. Listen anytime. SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Watch us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Sign up at patreon.com slash ptlive for more content. And if you want to find info to create a pub theology in your town or on zoom right now, unless you can sit six feet apart from each other at one of those bars that might have reopened recently way earlier than it should. Don't go <sighs> go to pub slash directory. <laughs> Happy birthday, Shannon. We love you until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing.